I'm researching an opportunity right now that appears to hinge on whether rapid technological change makes my experience and reputation, to the extent I still have one, redundant. Do all the recent financial innovations, from algos to outsourcing to AI, make my professional background irrelevant, or more important than ever? Time will tell. But that got me interested in the era of paper tickets, when traders would literally <gasps> speak to someone in person, look them in the eye, take an order on the telephone, write it down using an actual pen or pencil. Shocking, I know. I only saw a little of that Wall Street era. Indeed, I was part of the reason the business went digital. So I went looking for an OG to explore that analog time to see whether all the progress we've made over the years has been progress at all. And I soon found myself in front of a legend in the business. Let's call him Mac. Mac was a cougar hunter who was incoherent most of the time and whose principled interest in life was avoiding his wife, whose marriage was one of his more distinguished blunders, but whom he couldn't afford to divorce. He was Jewish, but had a whole lot of Irish in him, so we meet at his favorite watering hole, which sported a neon harp outside. Mac tells me he was originally in media, but went on a cruise one day and realized it cost more to fill up the boat than he made all year. He asked what the owner did for a living, and it turns out he was one of the letters in DLJ. Mac didn't know what DLJ was, but figured he must be in the wrong business. When he found out DLJ was an investment bank, he researched that industry and then just started cold-calling trading desks. He calls Bear Stearns. Someone picks up, asks him some questions, and it turns out they went to the same high school as his wife. The Bear guy says to send his resume, and Mac finds himself with an interview. It turns out that he was too qualified for trading and was sent to push paper around in research sales. The woman in charge of research was a real bitch. Mac tells me women in high positions on Wall Street are riddled with insecurities. This is because they had to gnaw their arms off to get there and think everyone else should too. His boss did a lot of vindictive things that year, but the one he remembers most distinctly was after he complained about his bonus. She gave him some cash and then reported it to the IRS. Max started spending more time on the trading floor and eventually started running tickets for them to escape the research department. Back then, Bear was the center of the world and he loved being a part of that. An open trading floor created accountability. You knew who was doing well, who was doing badly, and who was getting arrested. Mac does well. Some years later, he's called into the C-suite by senior managers and given marching orders to pick up Bear's business in Boston. He heads up there to meet clients with another executive, who we'll call Ace. Ace and Mac walk into a giant hedge fund called Putnam, and Mac asks them what it will take to become their best client. The Putnam CIO says he wants a $200 million single stock line of credit. Are you in or out? Max says, no way, that's insane. But Ace says, we're in. Next, they walk into Wellington. Same story, same question, same answer. State Street, Fidelity, etc. Ten firms in all, and now Bear has created $2 billion in credit out of thin air. As they walk back to the Bear Stearns office, Ace asks Mac who's in charge of those 10 accounts, then says to fire them all and to not leave Boston until he's found their replacements, that he can work with a 30% loss ratio for now. Now, let's just unpack what you've just heard. What Ace agreed to in that meeting 
is that big Boston clients could call up Mac and tell him they wanted to buy or sell 200 million of a single stock, and Mac would have to take the other side of that transaction. If he lost more than 30% of the commission generated on it, well, it was going to come out of his pocket. Let's run through an example. Bear wants to be involved in XYZ stock, which trades at $100 a share. Perhaps one of their clients has a 20,000 share sell order on their desk, so they decide to advertise as a seller. If Putnam wants to buy XYZ, they call up and say Bear just sold them 200 million of it. 200 million of XYZ at $100 a share is, well, 2 million shares. So now Bear has to buy back their 2 million share short, less the 20,000 they already had to sell, which doesn't help them one bit. Yes, they'll generate 120,000 in commission, but Mac can only afford to lose 36,000 of that to Ace. In other words, Mac has a real problem on his hands. The next morning, Mac puts his best suit on and walks to the bear office to fire some people. As he's striding in, one of the position traders yells over the hoot to the sales team, We want to buy the drugs. It's not even 7 a.m. Mac starts to run. Before he can get on his computer, his phone is ringing and it's Putnam. Okay, dumbass, you want to buy the drugs? You can buy 6 million Pfizer at 30, 4 million at 29 and a half, or 3 million up a quarter. Print them in London so no one knows. That month, Mac felt lucky to end up with a 50% loss ratio. He sits down with top management, who wanted an explanation, and Ace says, This was because of the Pfizer trade? You should have got out better than that. But take a block in this morning's IPO at 60 cents per share, and we'll call it even. Mac walked out of that meeting knowing there was no safe space between the bid and offer. But with a fire in his belly, he went on to turn our business upside down. The rest of that conversation will stay between us. But let's close this up with three quick lessons from my meeting. Number one, yes, the world is moving so fast it makes your head spin. But if you're willing to take some risks early, you can be part of that change rather than the victim of it. Secondly, success is going to be fleeting. So work itself will require a sustained meaning. Get yourself together so that people can rely on you. Then find something you're interested in and apply yourself. Be humble. Start small. Just get your life to where it's functioning better. After that, look around for something that bothers you and fix it. Lastly, sometimes you need to sit down, shut up, and listen to those that came before you. You'll never get an education like that again in your life.